0: Good evening. Welcome to Under the Dome podcast. Uh, I'm Alan Ulrich, and I'm here with my sidekick. Go ahead, Sean.
1: Sean Williams, how are you guys? There doing? we go. I'm glad to have y'all with us this week. Uh, we got the ball rolling last week, and we want to thank everyone for all the support and all the kind words and uh, for for watching over this week, and we hope that you uh, you liked what you've seen and continue to do so. we got a good show for you tonight. Um, but we do want to, once again, thank Fan First Productions for sponsoring our show, and if it's not, if it weren't for the fans, it's just a game for kids.
0: Absolutely. We'd like to thank all of y'all for tuning in and watching us and giving us the positive feedback, because... That's good. Sometimes you feel like you're just talking to empty space. It's good to hear from people. All right. Uh, Saints have landed in uh, the Greenbrier. So we're going to talk about that. But the first thing we're going to talk about is some of the stuff that's going around the league right now. Uh, You know, player suspensions being reduced. uh, Some players getting second chances. Some players looking for a second chance. Uh, LeVon Bell from the Steelers getting suspended. So, let's go ahead and get started, talk about first with the saints uh before we get into those other ones. Uh, the Saints have four players on the pup list, and I just read uh, this evening that Vincent Brown short stay with the saints. he's already on i R out for the year. Uh, the other ones on the pup list are not people that's too surprising uh Keenan Lewis. Probably still recovering from that hip surgery, and they probably, the doctors probably haven't cleared him yet, so he is probably going to be coming, I would guess, probably the next couple of weeks, he would probably be out there. Uh, one that did surprise a lot of people is Teron Armstead. I read today that uh, Mike Triplett over on ESPN said that it's a soft tissue issue. Uh, so it could probably could be anything from a deep bruise to a bone bruise or something like that. Um, and then the last one is the one I kind of find a little unusual is uh Kihaka is still listed as on the pup list and not on IR with a torn ACL that's usually a nine month recovery. I'm surprised number one. He, if he hasn't had surgery yet, when's he going to have surgery? Number two, why is he still on the pup list, not the IR? What do you think, Sean?
1: Well, that's something that I find intriguing as well. Uh, as you and I were discussing earlier today, it it makes you wonder if, first and foremost, is it is there going to be surgery involved in it? And number two, how? what is the severity of the injury? Is it a tear of the ACL? Is it a strain of the ACL? Because obviously the differing uh, severity is going to be uh, everything gonna I've directly.
0: Been, yeah, everything I've been reading so far, it's been a tear of the ACL. So a tear, even if it's a partial tear, that's still, you know, it's an injury you're up for the year. I don't know what they're trying to do, unless they think somehow that's really not torn. Um, my daughter played basketball and she's had her fair share of knee injuries. Now, she's never torn an ACL, but they have had injuries. She's had injuries where they just tried to rehab as opposed to doing surgery. So I don't know what the thinking is behind that. That is something that we're going to have to watch probably over the next couple of weeks in camp and see. If he's even out there watching, if they are, up, if they have him out there uh, working, you know, with a trainer, if he's on the bike, what is he doing? So sure, sure,
1: and you know, it it makes for some interesting. Uh, well, for lack of a better way of putting it, it makes for some interesting job opportunities for some other guys. Uh, your, well. That's
0: yeah. That's going to be something we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, You know, when we talk about the storylines heading into camp, uh, who is going to be the number one guy to replace Kiyaka as the the jack of the pass rusher? Um, That's going to be a battle that we're going to have to watch all preseason long, and I think it won't even be solved in preseason. I think we'll be seeing this going throughout the whole season where you're going to see rotating guys, depending on what the – Who's the opponent, and what's the situation? Who's going to come in as that, that outside pass
1: rusher? Who do you see as the, the odds-on favorite to, to at least begin the training camp in that uh, jack position?
0: Um, I think you're going to see in the base defense, you're going to see probably, um, uh, depending on the situation, probably either uh, Guacham on passing downs, and you probably will see, uh, oh, I can't think of the other guy's name right now. Ed um, Oh uh, No, 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 uh, Richardson, Bobby Richardson, I'm sorry, Bobby Richardson oh, okay. on the running running downs. And uh, then they're going to try and work in Davis Tull. Uh, uh, now,
1: Al, Alan, clarify for me, wasn't mm-hmm. Kakaha in uh, at least... On paper, for because that's basically all that we have to go on at this point. Mm-hmm. Kakaha slated to be moved from the outside linebacker position, more or less, to the defensive end position. Yes, like he yes. played at, at Washington.
0: Yes, they want to use him as a DE, uh, not as an outside linebacker anymore. Uh, so that, chances are that means he's going to have his hand in the dirt a lot. Uh, They may stand him up depending on the formation. And this is the thing you have to understand about Dennis Allen, what he's got to work with here. You've got, and we talked about this a little bit last week, you've got a lot of pieces all over the place. Uh, Guys who are more designed for a 3-4 defense, guys who are more designed for a 4-3 defense. Last year when we signed Kevin Williams, that automatically made us a 4 3 defense because he was a 4 3 defensive tackle. He could not play the nose. He's not a three technique guy. So you had to play a 4 3 defense. With some of the other guys that we have, we have guys who can fit in both. Davis Tull is probably more suited to be an outside linebacker in a 34 defense. The problem you've got, and this has been a fight I've had with people online and stuff when we're talking about going to a 34 defense is the colleges aren't producing pure outside linebackers like they used to. There is no Ricky Jackson coming out. There is no Lawrence Taylor. I'm not talking about that skill level and that ability, but we're talking about someone like a Pat Swilling, someone who who is a pure linebacker but can rush the passer. You don't have that really in college football. If you do, it's one or two guys. What you've got right now in college football, mainly because of the spread offense and the emphasis on the short pass and getting rid of it so quickly and just spreading the defense out and running those quick hitters with the running backs, you've got defensive end tweeners, guys who are too small to play defensive end in the NFL level, you know, 300 pound or 280, 290 defensive end that you're used to seeing or guys who are too big to be a typical linebacker they're not a the 240 guy they're 2, they're 275, 260 they're in that range so they're a tweener or you end up with a undersized linebacker uh, they use on the outside somebody who is 6'2", 235. And I know I'm throwing out a lot of numbers and it sounds kind of confusing when it gets to that but that's a difference in in the way the game is played now compared to the 1980s where you had a predominant of three, four defenses. You know, so that's why the Saints are having trouble and have to have more of a hybrid kind of scheme, finding those outside linebackers who can play the run and rush the passer. Because you can get the defensive linemen. You can get the the guys who can play two-gap defensive line on a 34 defense. It's those outside linebackers that are hard to find. Colleges just don't produce them with the regularity that they used to, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago.
1: Has the specialization of the game made it too hard to fit the systems that they have now?
0: No, no. It's – it's the design of the game now, the way the game is played. Um, you now have so many different things they put into a defense and so many things they put into the offense. The zone blitz didn't exist 20 years, 30 years ago. Uh, you know, the the you have much more of a basic, and I don't want to simplify it too much, but you have much more of a basic simplified defense of this is the scheme I'm going to run. We'll come in with nickel. We'll come in with dime. But we're situational football. Whereas today, now you see much more hybrid stuff. You know, the Saints talk about running three safeties now—a big nickel essentially. So you've got a, a safety coming out to play linebacker. Uh, the Saints, you know, in a four-three defense, but they rush three and drop eight off in coverage. That kind of stuff you didn't see that uh, twenty even twenty years ago. So that's what makes okay. it hard. So you're trying to find more athletes slash, you know, specialized players, I guess.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, we kind of skipped over a little bit. I, I kind
0: of <laughs> led into who we were talking about some other players around the league and uh, kind, uh, of, kind Alan,
1: of. Alan, before we get too far into this, I yeah. wanna I wanna take just one minute and we. Uh, We want to wish one of the major, major supporters of our program, Miss Jane Mayberry, a very happy birthday today.
0: Happy Uh, birthday.
1: Thank you so much for your loyal support. Uh, We hope you have an awesome night.
0: Thanks for reading my very long-winded posts. I kind of get into (laughs) a groove. I start replaying that game in my head. I've been putting these little lists together in the New Orleans Saints Facebook group of uh, the top – Ten worst games the Saints have ever played. Top ten best. Uh, right now we're in the best. And
1: uh, which one of those lists was easier to make out? Uh...
0: Actually, believe it or not, the top ten best is a harder one because you know we're. I kind of end up a lot in the uh, in this time period. You end up in the Drew Brees yeah. era. That's really a lot of great games in that era. When you start going back, you got a, a few in the Hazlitt area skip over dicka. and a lot in the More area that are really, really good. Oh, God, I don't even think about Dicka, you know, the reign of error. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you, you, so rather than just keep rehashing, you know, hey, man, that Giants game from 20, 2011 where we just killed them, that's an awesome game. Yeah, it is an awesome game. Uh, but let's talk about – I try to find games that uh, – that had an impact on the future of the franchise. You know, uh, the game I'm going to do tonight is the reopening of the Dome. It's the second, I have that red ring second. And the game itself... That, that would be
1: my vote for the most memorable game. As a matter of fact, well, I wrote an article last year about my most memorable Saints game ever in that mm-hmm. And it's really not even that
0: good of a game if you watch it compared to the Saints games that happened later. But as I'm going to say tonight uh, in the story, if you want to know when the golden age of Saints football began, it's that game. Sure. The Cleveland game, great. We won a game. Great comeback against Green Bay the next week. But that was the game where, you know, everything was was reopening the dome, that emotional and Starting. those kind of games in the past, the Saints would not meet expectations. They would struggle. It, you know, they'd look really bad and that kind of stuff. You no, know, they came out there and took in the moment and made that a memorable game. The, and, uh, who the
1: Saints are began.
0: Exactly, because.
1: Those games.
0: Right, because from that point on, this was no longer your dad's Saints or your grandpa's Saints. This was an entirely new team, and exactly that started that magic run uh, that ended up in the Dallas game, which was on that list. Uh, you know, the Eagles playoff game, which was an unbelievable game that was sure. on that list, you know so but my list when I went back, uh, I went to go back and include a couple of the more era games because they were important against the Steelers where they get the first winning season. Shut out the Broncos 42 to nothing in 1988. Um, So, yeah, coming out with the 10 best games was really hard. Uh, The worst games were a lot easier, believe it or not, because (laughs) the worst games. Well, there's
1: a bigger body of work left from.
0: Yeah. The worst games, it's like, you know, you remember natural disasters or car accidents. Uh, You just remember how you felt after that game. So, uh, so it, it was fun. For it was Saints fun. fans, people talk about natural disasters, and they have
1: to. You have to ask them to clarify: are they talking about a Saints season in particular, or right. are they talking about a hurricane?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, and it was that it, way
1: for a long
0: time. It was. It was. You, uh, I went to a lot of bad games. So, but yeah, that that's that's a fun list. So then, after the list is over with, I'm going to do a uh, my own projection of the. All-time Saints roster for the 50th anniversary. Um, I'm trying to decide if I'm gonna do just starters or starters in depth. I think I want to do starters in depth because it's it it brings out a lot more. Because if I just put Deuce McAllister and Drew Brees on there, well I maybe mean, that's a given. But yeah. who would back up who would back up Deuce McAllister? Would it be Dalton Higgard? Would it be Craig Hayward? You know, would it be for the for the quarterbacks, would it be Archie, Bobby, uh, Aaron Brooks? You know, who goes in after that? And I think that's gonna be more interesting. Heath Schuler. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> that would be my all time worst defense. All time worst offense. Heath Schuler, Albert oh, Connell, Brandon <laughs> Browner, Jason David. Andre Royal, yeah, I could just go down the list. I mean, my God, Russell
1: Erksleben,
0: the Antichrist. (laughs) You know, I I am dead serious. You know, the guy who picked Russell Erksleben, who, who was my high school counselor in 1981. After they cleaned house and fired everybody, his name was Bob (laughs) Whitman. I am not kidding. I could bring out my yearbook. I'll show you his picture. Now I'm thinking to myself. You picked Russell Irkslaven, and you're gonna tell me what my future should be? You're out of your mind. <laughs> there is no okay. way. Yeah. All right, uh, enough of that. <laughs> I could go on about yeah, yeah. old bad Saints games forever, but let's let's talk about. Well,
1: we'll have to. Uh, okay, we're gonna go around the league now. Uh, yeah, that's made, made mention of earlier. Le'Veon Bell this week. Uh, well, I don't know if it actually happened this week, but it was made public this week that Le'Veon Bell missed a drug test for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And obviously, much as in in the workplace, in the real world, a missed test is
0: considered
1: a failed test. So along that same line, Randy Gregory of the Dallas Cowboys failed a drug test. Now, the only reason that that seems to be possibly relevant is the fact that he was uh, he was flagged before the combine for a failed drug test as if well. If you
0: show up, if you show up at the combine, which is the event that you're going to do to determine your draft status, and you fail a drug test there, there's no reason you should even be on a board because absolutely. That's like showing up to a job interview, okay? You're smoking a joint with a blunt, and you got you smell like alcohol. You're not yeah. gonna get the job. So no. yeah,
1: it's it, it, it's like a a afternoon in our little group there. To me, the scope of college athletics nowadays is so wide, and once you get beyond the first. Ten picks of the draft. There's so little separation in the level that you're talking about, regardless of position. Yeah. Anyone that cannot take it seriously enough to prioritize what is important in their life, they don't deserve to be considered to to move look, on to the next level. Look,
0: and and part of the problem is too is you have um, you've got a culture today that says hey weed isn't that bad Weed's a natural product uh, we can cure all these diseases and stuff and I'm not going to go into a legalization argument about weed or whatever the problem is and this is what college athletes don't understand some college athletes and some other people uh, don't understand it just because it's legal or just because you think it doesn't do any good I and mean, it doesn't do you any harm, doesn't mean you can have it at a job site. Uh, alcohol is a legal product; you can't drink and do a job. Uh, exactly. Cigarettes nope. are legal products, but you can't smoke at the workplace for most places.
1: You have to go outside and smoke. They have rules about these things. So there you go. Right there, you said the key line, the bottom line in this whole. Uh, discussion it is against the rules if right. you have rules they're set up for a reason and a purpose and you, well, you know, choose not to obey them
0: look you had two Saints players uh, well yeah, more than two but you had two Saints players who actually served as suspensions for using uh, Adderall which is a stimulant for people who have ADD or whatever you had you have one guy, uh, uh, defensive tackle uh, from the 2016, uh, who had got suspended because he was using an inhaler for his asthma. Legal product can't take it. Deuce McAllister, um, yeah. Deuce McAllister, Will Smith, and uh, Charles Grant got busted for star caps, which had a diuretic. It flagged it. You got yeah. in trouble for that. These are all legal products. But for whatever reason, it's listed as prohibited items by the NFL. They can set their own rules. So you when you have these things happen, just because it's legal in Colorado, just because it does all these wonderful things for people, the league still has it flagged as an illegal product. Players can't take it. So as a player coming in, you should know that. Stop doing
1: it. Sure. Absolutely. The bottom line is, it is against the rules of this league, and if you are going to be a paid employee of this league, which a player is, they're hmm. an employee of the New Orleans Saints, or add in whoever team, whichever team you so choose, they are employees of that, but that is still under the umbrella of the National Football League. Right.
0: And well, speaking of other other rules, rules. yeah, speaking of other rules, you know, Greg Hardy's trying once again to get back in the league, and Ray Rice is begging to get back in. And and listen, I I listened to a sports radio talk show last uh, the other night, I should say, talking about Ray Rice and you know wondering why he won't get a second chance in the league. Uh, and saying that, you know, everybody likes a redemption story. Everybody likes the underdog coming back. And the fact that he wants to donate his salary to a battered women's shelter group or to support battered women. You know, it's all great PR stuff. Here's the real reason why Ray Rice isn't getting back into the league. And someone like Greg Hardy is getting another look. He's not getting back in the league because his last year. With the Baltimore Ravens, I think his running point, his uh, his yards per carry average is like two point two. Ray Rice is over thirty years old, had not played football in two years. Running backs have a very limited shelf life. Why would you put money, any money, even a league minimum, on a thirty-something year old back when you're a rookie or an undrafted free agent who probably can outplay him at this point? and he gets it just doesn't make any sense it's too expensive he's too expensive for the return you would get on him even at league minimum compared to an undrafted rookie or a draft pick and sure. if you look if you look around the league running backs are quickly shuttled out there's yes. not they don't have a long shelf life in the league Chris Ivory I think is now gone from the Jets he's with the Jaguars you know, so that's the real reason why Ray Rice doesn't get a shot. It's not be, just because of the domestic abuse. It's also his age, and they could see the decline in production. You're just not going to get a, good, a lot of production out of someone like Ray Rice. Whereas with Greg Hardy, he's a pass rusher, okay? He's a young pass rusher. If you can get him for the
1: league minimum... You know, I've, I've heard, heard this ahead. argument... I've heard this argument about how what Hardy did was much worse. What did? Okay, the things it, that you need to remember. Number one, uh, what Ray Rice did was caught on video. Perception in this world that we live in right now, perception is reality.
0: The finality see,
1: of seeing him hit that woman and knock her absolutely unconscious. Now,
0: and drag her out by her hair.
1: Drag yeah. her out of the elevator by her hair. Greg Hardy, his entire case was a lot of he said, she said, he did, she did. You know, there was well, a have, videotape of all of that.
0: You did have pictures of her with bruises and marks. Yeah. Yes. We live in a culture but where here's if it's. Oh, well, go ahead. Here's, go the, ahead.
1: here's, here's the thing with, with Greg Hardy he's not trying to get a second chance. Greg Hardy got his second chance with the Dallas Cowboys. And what did he do with that second chance? Long story, uh, just one minor example. He almost came to fisticuffs on the sidelines with an assistant coach. Yeah. When he was brought in, according to his owner, to be a leader and thus and such. He's not begging for a second chance. As far as I'm concerned, no. the <laughs> heinousness of what he did should make him unemployable at this level. Now, right. a- am I supposed to cry for Greg Hardy because he doesn't have the opportunity to earn a living? You did it to yourself. Yeah. Deal with it.
0: You're, you're not you entitled. To, you're exactly not entitled to any job. You're not entitled to a job.
1: lose... People, too, nowadays in this entitled world that we live in, young athletes think that playing in the NFL is their right. It is not a right. It is a luxury that you work for, and if you're very, very fortunate and you do right and you do, cross the T's and dot the I's of everything that you're supposed to do, you get an opportunity. If you don't take advantage of that opportunity, or in these cases, you take that opportunity for granted, you don't deserve to have it.
0: Right. Well, listen, listen. um, The two most important positions right now in the NFL are you have to have an elite quarterback to win. Absolutely. you have to have a guy who can put that elite quarterback on his butt. Absolutely. And that, that is the only reason Greg Hardy is even getting a look over by anybody. And I think he this is probably the last appearance he'll make in the NFL if he gets signed by the Jaguars. I think this will be his last appearance. I don't even I, think he'll get signed by the Jaguars. I, I don't,
1: that's what I'm about to say. I, I don't believe that the Jaguars are even going to waste time with him. I don't think that he's even up to the level of talent that Jaguars have in camp as we speak. No, to totally honest. I don't
0: either. I don't either. But let that, me ask you this, Alan. Mm-hmm.
1: This this discussion brings to my brings to my mind one question. Are we holding our athletes to too high a standard, expecting them to be role <laughs> models, expecting them to be a little holding them to a little higher standards than everyone else I know no. Charles Barkley famously said before that he didn't he wasn't trying to be a, whether you choose to or not you are you are okay. in the public eye
0: let me ask you, I, I, I've heard that question before, let me ask you something about that um, if in your workplace would you want to work with an idiot or a jerk? Would you want to work with somebody <laughs> like that in your group? Somebody who's, who undermines the group you work in. You know, I work in, a, I work in an office where we have a group of people that all do about the same job, okay? We have one bad person in that group. It messes us all up. You know, it makes it uncomfortable for us to be there. We don't want to work with him or her you know, work with him or her. Uh, Football, basketball, baseball, no matter what sport we're talking about, is no different. Sure. You want to have a good locker room, you want to have a good group who will bond together and work together, because you're trying to construct a team. So, yes, they're not supposed to be role models for society, but You want good people who work for you because they are the face of your organization. Think about the Cleveland Browns with Johnny Manziel. What was the face of the Cleveland Browns when Johnny Manziel was on that team? It was failure, and every time you turn around you're looking at Manziel, he's in the Las Vegas club, he's disguising himself to go out drinking, you hear he got drunk the night before a game, and I know all about Kenny Stabler. You know, I was a Stabler fan with the Raiders and stuff like that. That's a different era. It's, that, that was that not, not even era.
1: the same world that we live in now.
0: Well, yeah, you know, Kenny Stabler used to always people. joke. Yeah, he used to joke all the time that he used to read the game plan by the light of the jukebox. You don't have that. You have 24-hour video footage of everybody. TMZ will find you wherever you go. So you now have especially to, especially if
1: your name is Manziel.
0: If your name is anybody, I mean, who broke the story about uh, the Giants receiver who, sh- who was with the Steelers, Plutko, Bureas, who shot himself in the club? It was TMZ when he brought a loaded gun into the club and shot his own leg. Uh, you know, if sure. you're an athlete, and this we told some players this years ago when I was in college, uh, if you get arrested. Okay even you get arrested because it's your friend doing something stupid, it's never your friend's name that runs in the headlines. It's always your name gets arrested or is involved in an altercation with police and one of your friends got arrested. So you have to know who you hang out with. and again, it brings it back to the locker room. You want to have good people in your locker room, so you're going Absolutely. to avoid the quote unquote "bad people that make your team look bad that provide distractions for your team that the media is always following around doing news stories on that's why the Cowboys are the mess they're in which I totally enjoy but that's beside the point but that's why the Cowboys are a train wreck when you watch them play because it's not anymore about as much as the media tries to make it. it's not about how good the team is it's about Randy Gregory failing the drug test it's about Greg Hardy uh, going after an assistant coach. It's about Terrell Owens when he was on the team. How long before he blew up, you know, on the sideline? It's yeah. those are the stories that happen. You no longer have that. You know, you don't have that like a uh, like a Pittsburgh Steelers kind of team where you have, you know, there is no really controversy. Well, Roethlisberger, but you know, there's no real controversy about. The franchise, you know, it's a very stable franchise. Or the Saints, you know. Yeah. Outside of Gillette, uh, can you really think of some players who just totally lost their mind and were getting arrested by the police, or the police were coming to their house? You don't. You didn't have those kind of stories much. No. During Sean Payton's uh, and Drew Brees' era, you know, you yeah. don't have. And that's that's what that's what I look at when you talk about. Having a role model on a team, you don't want to have those kind of people on your team. Um, sure. So,
1: Alan, uh, we we've asked on our uh, our Facebook page if anyone had any questions that they would like to ask us, and uh, we have one that was rather intriguing that I, I I'd like to put to you and see what your response is. It comes from Jeffrey Dooley, and it says. Do you think the Saints' weakness wasn't necessarily Rob Ryan's defense, but the lack mm-hmm. of having a real general manager, not a yes man like oh. Sean Payton, lack <laughs> of oh. quality player choices, and the fact Drew Brees has no big name targets to throw to, being one example. Wow.
0: Okay. <laughs> that's that's uh that's like five questions at one time. Okay. <laughs> All right. Number 1. Okay. Rob let's Ryan's defense. It. Yeah, let's look at Rob Ryan first. Rob Ryan has been a disaster almost everywhere he's been except for the 2013 Saints. 2014, 2015, you got 10 men on the line, you got 10 men on the field. You have 12 men on the field. You've got timeouts being called cuz the right personnel aren't in there. This started last year at the Black and Gold scrimmage. It was the same thing two years ago. So is it is it? And they kept talking over and over. We're going to simplify the defense. We're going to simplify the defense. Well, the players aren't that stupid, you know. You know when you're supposed to be on the field. Sure. How many blown coverages did we see in 2014, 2015, where receivers just wide open because people aren't talking to each other, you know? So. I put that on Rob Ryan. I put the miscommunication. I put you know, poor personnel grouping packages on Rob Ryan. I put those kind of mistakes on Rob Ryan. However, you can't say it's all Rob Ryan. I understand what you're saying about a lack of a real general manager. Mickey Loomis is the money guy. Mickey Loomis, sure. his job is to manage the salary cap. Some will argue he's not doing a very good job with that either. Um, but our salary cap problems come from a multitude of, of things. Least of all the junior Gallette having to cut him. Uh, that's the bulk of the, a lot of the dead money. But we have a lot of issues. We got an aging. We had an aging team. You had a lot of players who were making a lot of money uh, because if you have a good team, you want to pay everybody. Well, everybody wants to be the top paid. Player at that position, and then we've had poor drafts where we had to sign free agents to make up for the bad drafting. So that's why we have cap problems. Now, what would a real general manager be like? What you're looking for as a general manager is a talent evaluator. Well, as Bill Parcell said so famously, you know, if they're going to. if they're going to make you the chef, or you got to cook the dinner, at least the law you. They ought to let you shop for the groceries. Sean Payton's doing the shopping. Sean Payton and his coaches are doing the shopping. They are picking these players. Um, Ryan Pace, when he was player personnel director, he's now with the Bears. He was in there picking the players. I think we've had number one, a collection of bad scouts. Uh, at least since 2010, 2009, we've had a collection of bad scouts. Um, I thought the 2014 draft in particular was a horrible draft because we did a lot of reaching for players, a lot of panicking, taking, I think Stanley John Baptiste was a classic example of panicking, grabbing that big receiver because you saw Carolina grab a tall receiver. Julius, uh, um, not Julius, uh, Julio Jones is a tall receiver. And, you know, of course, the, vi- the Bucks have, you know, two tall receivers in Evans and um, Jackson. You know, so you went out there and got a big receiver thinking he's going to be the next Sherman, uh, Richard Sherman. So, so to answer his question, having a real general manager in there, like a Jim Finks kind of guy, I don't think he would, he would still be on the same page as Sean Payton, so he has to be. He 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 can't. They can't have disagreements and arguments about the draft because Sean Payton ultimately is the one who's going to want this team shaped in his image. Sure. So that's why Loomis and Payton work very well. What you do need, though, is a strong player personnel director. I I'm not sold on Jeff Ireland. <clears throat> I think Jeff Ireland did a much better job drafting this year than last year's draft, but I'm not totally sold on him. Um, we'll see how he works out as a player personnel guy. Remember, he was GM of the Dolphins, and the Dolphins yeah. have not been very good. Um, so that's a complicated question. We're going to have to wait and see how this shakes out. I forgot to turn off my email. I apologize for that dinging. Um, <laughs> But anyway, um just know so you're the, important. Yeah. Uh lack of quality player choices that's bounty gate too. You know, you lost a first round draft choice because you traded back in to get uh Mark Ingram in twenty eleven, so you lost the first round pick in twenty twelve. And also you um you got a, the Saints are always aggressive. They're always trading up, you know. So you're you're burning more picks. If you look back, really though, the 2013 draft wasn't really as bad as people make it out to be. You got some decent players out of that draft. Um, not great players, not impact players. You know, Keem Hicks was probably a reach, but that's yeah. more that's more mental than it is physical because he has the physical ability. He's shown flashes. Uh, being that great defensive lineman, it was just more of a mental thing for him. He wasn't motivated enough. John Jenkins, same thing. Good player, but not a great player. He lets His weight gets in the way. Uh, then he sure. loses motivation. He's almost like Grady Jackson in that regard. Um, so he's not a total bust who never played it down for the Saints like you had 2014. And the last thing, Drew Brees has no big-name targets to throw to. What do fans always say? Uh, Drew Brees makes receivers, great receivers. Uh, you know, Marcus Holston was a pretty damn good Drew receiver. Drew Brees
1: makes big-name targets.
0: Yeah. I mean, your big-name targets from previous years, this guy here, Jimmy Graham, that was a big-name target. Uh, you have to say uh, – Alright, you have to say uh, Darren Sproles was a good target. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so, would a uh, I don't know, would a Larry Fitzgerald look great on this team? Absolutely, Larry Fitzgerald was prime. Would a, uh, you know, uh, the guy, the Giants, the ex-LSU player, uh, OBJ, would he look like a good, good guy to have on this team? Absolutely, but you don't have to have that great big name star receiver. I mean, how many, can you name all the Packers receivers, for I, example?
1: I look at it a little bit. I look at it a little bit differently, Alan. Uh, I don't like when everyone was talking about bringing in Bolden. Bolden's the type yeah. of guy that you're going to have to throw eight to ten or more passes to a game to really see the impact that he's making, especially at this. Point in his career where he's not going to catch and turn yards in, in after catch in. Well, if we talk
0: about both,
1: and, and that it's right. not Breeze. Uh, Breeze, yeah. Breeze is going to throw to at least ten different receivers in a, the course right. of a game.
0: Right, and you know if you want Breeze to spread the ball around, you want Breeze to make it difficult to defend because he's going to formation and scheme you to death. You don't have a big name receiver you have a, a system, that's why I call Green Bay like the Saints mirror image. Green Bay's run exactly the same way. They don't have a big-name receiver. You know, Jordy Nelson, probably their best receiver. When he was missing last year, it hurt them, but they still got to the playoffs. You know, sure. they still won a playoff game. I mean, you know, you they don't have to have that star receiver either. And you're going to see... A lot of teams going more to that kind of system as the years go on because it's a lot easier to develop a scheme where you isolate and you're looking for multiple targets because it puts more stress on the defense. If the Saints had a Joe Horn kind of receiver like you have an Aaron Brooks and you had some other guys, but Joe Horn was your Pro Bowl guy, the coverage rolls to Horn's side you take Horn out of the game, you say, I'm not going to let Horn beat me. I'm going to make those other guys beat me. And that's how the Saints got beaten. Well, that and Aaron Brooks throwing backwards passes. But, uh, you know, that's how they beat the Saints back then, was they would beat the Saints by trying to take Joe Horn away. They would try and take Deuce McAllister away. You know, you you had to make Jerome Payton Dante Stallworth or Dante Stallpepper is what he used to calling. You know, you take those guys and make those guys beat you. Don't let your Horn beat you. And that's sure. the ins- That's when the Saints are at their best, when they sure. have that number one guy.
1: Um, okay, um, moving right along, we uh, we're looking at tomorrow, the rookies report to uh, yeah to the Greenbrier, which I. Uh,
0: <clears throat> Uh-oh. Are you frozen there? I think he's frozen. Okay. Rookie's going to Greenbrier. They uh, kind of get in there first. I'm kind of curious a little bit here. Um, they go. They come in first. I think the reason hey. why the rookie... Oh, you're back. Hey. You're kind of froze I- for a minute there.
1: Yeah, I got one of those a few minutes ago, too. Okay. It's you were saying about rookies. Love us, man.
0: You're right. You saying about rookies uh, coming in.
1: Uh, the rookies report Wednesday, uh, mm-hmm. and I think Thursday are uh, physicals, and practices are set to begin on Friday. Am I correct? That.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, in we want to get into tonight. Uh, a few of the positions that people should be paying close attention to that will directly uh that will seemingly directly affect our season this year as we go what do you see as the the biggest positional battle in terms of its effect uh on the season to come
0: uh well, you know, obviously defensive end, we talked about that one before, you know, who who comes in as a pass rusher, who has the good training camp, who just totally dominates everybody on the line of scrimmage. That is a big one. And then, of course, the other side, the offensive line, um, you know, who who comes into those guard positions? Uh, last year, you know, having Jari Evans in there and then Melito and, Colomente playing, you had a lot of instability there, Uh, Streif got abused. Um, So who comes in? If Pete has to play that guard position, then you're going to have to have Streif play that tackle position. You know, what happens on that side? So we have to see who these undrafted free agents steps up and actually makes tries to make a play to get into that starting lineup. if no one does, then we're going to be looking at the waiver of wire. We're going to be looking at first cuts. We might be looking at a trade. Remember in 2006, Scott Shanley wasn't even on the Saints team until after the Dallas preseason game. That was the third preseason game. That was just starting outside linebacker. Sure. Um, so that that is huge because if not, those two play, their positions, two guards, if you can't find somebody to play those two guard positions, that affects what Pete's going to do. That affects what Street's going to do. So that's the battle to watch.
1: Watch well, those undrafted guys. Let me ask you this. Do you see, which do you see as the, the closer to be in reality? Do you see Street lining up at right tackle? And Pete lining up at one of the guards, or yeah. do you see Pete being beating out Streif before no. the season begins.
0: I think you're going to see Streif at left, uh, right tackle. You're going to see Pete at guard, and you're going to probably see the winner of the Clement, Clemente, Molito, Turner, you know, Young, whomever. Yeah. At that, at that left guard position, I think that's what you're going to end up seeing. Uh, I, I really don't think Peyton's going to be comfortable playing two undrafted free agents or two inexperienced guards um, at the two positions.
1: Okay, Cam Jordan is probably going to be one defensive end. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Who do you? Who's your best bet to start on the other end, opposite Jordan?
0: And, again, like we said in the beginning of the show, it uh, depends on the situation, down and distance. Uh, probably base defense. You'll probably see Bobby Richardson in a lot. I think they'll try and work watch him in to try and see if he can be a run stopper as well. But, you know, they're just going to be rotating people in and out. They're going to be changing that alignment a lot. They're going to go to that NASCAR package they call it where they'll put all pass rushers out there. You may see Jordan kick back into the inside. That Riven kind of a- stuff.
1: That's reminiscent of the old Giants line.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think you're just going to see a lot of fluidity there. You're not going to see four guys that are going to play three downs, all three downs out there. There's just going to be too much. They're going to try and rotate people left and right.
1: Okay, so basically the base defense is uh, nothing. uh, I don't know. I don't know. Hang on, I don't know
0: how to exactly asked what I'm wanted to say. The, your, basic, your base go is ahead. gonna be a forty your base is gonna be a forty-three look. I, I, I just think that's that's what Alan is comfortable with. That's what he's going to try and do. But just because that's what you see on the television screen, you know, when they introduce a defense to the television audience, that doesn't mean that's the defense you might even see out there at the time. Look at the defensive line the same way you look at the Saints wide receivers. That's really how you have to look at it because Sean Payton runs packages left and right. You know, you're going to see sure. Cooks, like just say Cooks, for example, we'll, we'll make Cooks like the defensive linemen here. You know. You're going to see Cooks at the X. You're going to see Cooks in the slot. You're going to see Cooks playing the Y. Depending on where they can isolate him and get the ideal matchup that's the same thing you're going to see in that defense. You're going to see them move people around so they get the best possible matchup so they can okay. rush that passer. And I think okay. that's the way it's going to work.
1: I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, you just made mention of the next uh, the next grouping we need to look at. Um, mm-hmm. The Wide receivers. Everyone knows Cooks is going to be there. Everyone yeah. knows that uh, tight end. Oh flee will be there. Mm-hmm. Okay. From there on who you ask as to the the the, the personnel pairings and, and what have you that you get. What's your uh your feedback on that?
0: Well, you know, your top you got the top three positions already closed off on the on the receivers. It's Cook, Sneed and Thomas. The only question now is who's going to be the four. Coleman's coming. Coleman has a lead, With Vincent Brown being put on IR that kicks him out of the equation. So now you've got R.J. Harris, you've got uh, Dangerfield, you've got a lot of those younger guys. Uh, I think there's a Bell, Reggie Bell out there. You know, those guys are now going to be vying for that fourth slot. And you know, when we get into the roster breakdown, how many plays we have left? Uh, you know, you. you We'll see whether or not the Saints keep four or five receivers. Four receivers are active on game day. I don't know if they'll keep five. depends if somebody can make an impact on special teams.
1: Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say we're kind of running out of time here a little bit. Uh, Those are the three main position battles I think that we should look at you know, in training camp, at least on the opening days, you're really going to see when they put the pads on, which will be next week, the offensive and defensive line battles start in earnest. Receivers, we're going to see those in in the preseason. Watch the second half of the preseason games. Um, as far as the other position battles, we can talk about this uh, next week when we get into the linebackers and the secondary. It's not so sure. much who the starters are going to be. It's going to be... Who fills out the other positions? Absolutely. Who are, be, who, who are the guys going to be playing behind the starters, and how are they going to be used? And the same is true,
1: Absolutely.
0: From, same is true with the I, running I backs. That,
1: I think that with all of those that you just mentioned, in mm-hmm. at least last year, it wasn't so much starters that made the difference. As far as where we were lacking, so much as the depth behind them. So I, I think you're making a very good point there.
0: Yeah, it, it it's about depth now, and we could talk about those things, especially once they put the pads on and and we see the opening practices and what they look like. Um, yeah, the Saints started Greenbrier. They they landed today. Uh, like you said, the first practice I think is Saturday morning. You know, sure. so and I, that's probably in shorts and shells. I'm looking forward to the first practice with the hitting people. Uh, yes. The best, the best part about what's going to happen on Wednesday is from now until at least January, there's football news every day. Enjoy Sunday, that.
1: Sunday night, we've almost got a pseudo semi sort of uh, vague resemblance of a ball game in the home game.
0: That's, that's all I'm looking for. I actually will sit and watch that for about two series, and then I'll start doing other things. <laughs> but you uh, know, for uh, be the Packers and the Colts, correct? Right, exactly. Packers okay. and the Colts, Hall of Fame game, and it should be fun. Yeah, I'm going to watch a little bit and then just to get football going. So thank you all for watching. Appreciate yep. it. Thank you all uh,
1: so much for uh, choosing to join us. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Until then you can reach us by email at underthedome Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> under the Dome podcast at gmail.com. Thank you, you can reach us on our Facebook page, Under the Dome Podcast. If you're not a member, all you gotta do is go on there and we'll make sure make that happen.
0: Absolutely. And also,
1: uh follow us on Twitter at under the dome po1
0: Yep. Uh, I'm
1: 79
0: guys. I'm 79 saints on Twitter so uh you can look for me on there.
1: I'm Drew's dad, 3721 uh, Thank y'all all so much. Looking forward to seeing you guys next week.
0: righty.